Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired. Kairos. Shazanga. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to Shots Fired. We're two people down. Two people have actually bailed on us. Two people are uh, going to be doing something uh, probably more exciting than what we've got planned this evening. But uh, no G this week, and no Chisanga. Um, no word of a lie. They've got um, some pressing issues which they have to address. But in the house, the K, the A, the I, the R, the O, the S. It's Kairos. Feels good to be here. I'm glad it's just us two. You know, we don't need them. We're better off without them. You're right. You know what we what we want to do is the Kairos and Mike show. How about that? Yeah. Pay me though. Pay me like five thousand a week and we can make it. Only five thousand. Daniel. Only five thousand. You are cheap, my brother. Mm-hmm. Mate. You know, I wanted to ask you. You know what? Week in, week out, me and you argue, me and you tussle. But you know, I noticed there is some commonality. There's some common themes. You are quite the filmmaker. You have got quite the eye when it comes to uh, highlighting themes and highlighting films. Just before we touch on that, though, I'm intrigued. You know, when you um, go out and you're uh, you've got your camera poised, who do you think you're channeling? Who who, who do you draw on? Who's your inspirations? Um, I guess in my mind, it's not necessarily that I'm trying to channel a certain person or I have like a certain style that I'm looking for. In my mind, I'm just imagining like a theme that I'm trying to stick to per se. So let's say I was just trying to do like something in the automotive because I'm getting ready to shoot at an auto show for this person. Um, I would want something that's very aggressive as far as style is concerned or maybe I want my entire like pace of what I'm trying to put together very fast paced and trying to be captivating for as long as possible like, it's more so of like a theme rather than me I'm trying to be Stanley Kubrick or Spike Lee like it's not necessarily that because I'm I'm not like those people so I don't think I can portray something as well as they could and I feel like it'd be a mistake if I was trying to be someone I'm not you know really see for me it's not trying to be someone you're not but drawing on the inspiration and channeling that person's vibe, that person's energy. Because for me, it's Quentin Tarantino. Whether it's narrative structure, whether it's split screen, whether it's humour, whether it's basically just doing something which no one else is doing, just going south. That's who I kind of like try to embody. And that's who I kind of try to draw inspiration on when I click that record button I always try and do something that no one else is out there trying which again is going to be a theme of this uh, podcast today with Shots Fire because our guest this week is Michael Venom Page I dropped a few questions on him again left field questions again you know what wasn't um, asked at the um, virtual media day but the reason why I ask you about your um sorry to keep going backwards and forwards in terms of subject matter but the reason why i asked you about your influences because you are quite the um you you have got quite the eye when it comes to uh 
British um, films. I'll tell you why. The, the, the tweet that came out today, which has got me cracking up over and over again, was where you actually tweeted out. Um, it was, uh, the, the tweet was, I'm not fighting Wonder Boy. And then it said Leon's mentions. And the audio for that was absolutely incredible. I, I, have, I feel I have, I've, I've got to bring that up now. Oh mate. I, I don't know where you find these clips, but that was so apt. That was Leon's mentions. I don't know how you personified that, but from the time that he said that he wasn't fighting Wonder Boy, that was the vibe. Jesus, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Where did that inspo come from? What's funny is, because that's exact. I was looking through his mentions, and I was like, okay, I have to read this with a British accent, because I feel like most people are from... <laughs> so I started reading it like that, and I started putting some anger into it in my head. I'm like, yeah, they fucking upset right now. And so I was like, I know a video that's just like this, because my friends and I always send each other videos. You guys, yeah. see the, you guys see the appropriate ones. I have some bad ones I just never show. That You'll never see them, but <laughs> this was an appropriate one. I was like, I'm putting that one in there. And the caption came pretty quick. I was like, oh, that's funny. Damn. I mean, just whilst we're on this subject, I know we've both obviously got our individual things which we're bringing to the table today. But um, just on the whole scenario which is playing out before our eyes, I mean, Wonder Boy, he is literally, I mean, this should be a new Dana White series. He's begging for a fight and he's begging Leon for a fight. But Leon isn't trying to hear a bar. I mean, realistically, is this the right move? Is this the right thing for Leon to do? Considering the last time that he was supposedly um, step into the cage, he got shanked. He got shafted. I mean, he got flipping sidelined in terms of how much he was got, how much he was paid in terms of compensation. Everybody yeah. got 20 grand. He got 20 grand and he was the headliner. What's that about? So my question to you, <laughs> is this the right move? Is this really a wise move? It depends what lens you look through. Like me personally, if I was Leon, I would be doing the same thing. I'd be like, I'm not fighting Wonder Boy. I don't think he can win wow. that fight if we're just being realistic. I don't think he stands a goddamn chance. I think Wonder Boy is the toughest style at the in the welterweight division right now. There's a good reason why no one wants to fight him. He took out Luke, made him look like he was an amateur, didn't belong in there. And Luke is one of the best boxers in the UFC, period, point blank. But mm. if you think that Leon can beat him, and if Leon thinks that he can beat him, then this is not the good move. This is not the right move. Yeah, but hold on. We're talking Leon, who took on literally a, a murderer's row. You, you, you remember RDA, right? I, I remember on. the oversized lightweight. Yes, I remember the guy who's not a welterweight but refuses to get some discipline and cut down. Luckily, he's doing it now. I, a lot of his wins, I'm not going to discredit his resume. I'm not going to mm. discredit it. You're not going to get me to do that. But what I am going to say is he hasn't proven to us that he can go five rounds with a legitimate contender at welterweight. Oh, hold on, P please, brother. Let's just you back got? up. You remember Cowboy, right? Oh my! Oh, Cowboy's a legitimate contender at welterweight right now. No, I, I didn't say right now, but <laughs> come on, he is a killer. He's not someone that you can just rinse through. Come on now, come on. I'm gonna tell you this right now. 
<laughs> you know, I'm going to get disrespectful. Cowboy is a phenomenal fighter. He has done phenomenal things, and he has had a legendary career. But I don't necessarily weigh a win over Cowboy between this year and the past two years very highly, if we're just being completely honest. Sure, Cowboy's a tough opponent, but it's someone that fit his style. It's a tie boxing fight. They're going to sit back and kickbox for the whole 25 minutes. And Leon's a better kickboxer than him. Yes, he absolutely schooled him, and that's impressive. But I want to see him beat someone in the top five or maybe even the top seven like if he fought neil magny if he fought jeff neil if he fought any of those guys I, my opinion would change but as as it stands right now i just it's hard for me to sit here and say yeah he could beat wonder boy or yeah he could beat usman again or yeah he could be it's hard for me to sit back and say that without like me trying to be biased you know yeah but hold on hold on hold on so gunner nelson counts for nothing oh he embarrassed gunner nelson but Thank you. <laughs> eight, eight, white, eight, eight fight win streak counts for nothing. It counts. I'm just, you're going to be hard pressed yeah? to convince me Come that on. this man is a legitimate title contender until he beats a legitimate title contender. Gunnar Nelson ain't a title contender. He's a staple in the division, but not necessarily a guy who we're going to say, yeah, in the next two to three years, we could see him in the top five and maybe getting a shot. I don't think that man will ever get a title shot if we're just being realistic. You know, I said this before and um, people think that I'm joking. But it's time that Leon gathered up all of his tools, <laughs> gathered up all of his pads, his gloves, his mitts, and just hightailed it to Bellator. Just <laughs> do what Anderson did. Just do. I mean, look. I mean, look, okay. We, 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 we are jesting here. But look at what Bellator is doing now. Just look. I'm going to touch on this later. But they have now got an acquisition um, of, of fighters, which, come on, they are mouth-watering prospects. They are mouth-watering um, uh, uh, fighters. But I don't want to steal my own thunder because we are going to get into that later. But you know what? It looks as though I'm going to be flogging a dead horse and trying to bring you over to the Brit side because it, it's, it's kind of, it strikes me that, you know, the level of disdain or level of um, lack of respect for this Brit is evident in, in, in your in your in your rhetoric and I find your lack of faith disturbing, young Skywalker. <laughs> um that's okay. I'm willing to take like you don't understand. I was one of the few Leon cheerleaders from day one of everyone's trying hold, to hold shit on, on this hold man. On, hold, on, hold on, hold on breaks. Are you just gonna let my reference, my Star Wars reference, which I worked in their shoehorn just just Gather dead air? Or are you going to tell me now you didn't see, you've never seen Star Wars? Is that it? I've seen all the Star Wars and I love them. <laughs> Episode three is my favorite one. But I'm just going to tell you this straight up. It, it didn't It didn't move me. The reference didn't move me. I was like, oh, okay. I guess Damn. it's all right. Damn, I wasn't in the right I got to hit harder this week because obviously my references ain't banging. Anyway, I interrupted you. Gone. <laughs> nah, it's all right. But I'm just saying, like, I was one of the original cheerleaders before he even went on the like seven fight winning streak. This was when he oh, had okay. like four in a row. I was like, mm. I was putting on, I was making a promo for him on YouTube back when he was getting ready to face RDA, and they're like, he sucks. He's not gonna win. And I'm in the comment section defending this man's. So I'm like, he's got it. He's a tough guy. <laughs> I'm on Twitter fighting with people, telling him how great he is. But then when he said no to Wonder Boy after he's begging for a top five, I'm like, oh hell no, that's it. The sun's down. We are not defending this motherfucker no more. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think, though, about my whole assertion that, you know, he should be thinking about Bellator now? Because they're going to treat him nice. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think that's an awesome move. 
I think it's an awesome move, but the question is, though, if he mm. ever has aspirations to come back, it's less likely that he'll be able to make it. But how many people do we know that are in the UFC, jump to Bellator, and come back? I don't think there's more than three people who've done that. Yeah, so but he, why would you? They you treat you so nice over there. They treat you as an athlete. You're not a commodity. They treat you as somebody who is having a career and not an opportunity. Why would you come back? You would have no need to. But I'm just saying, if he ever wants to come back, I don't know mm. if he'll be able to. He should go to Bellator. I really do think he should go to Bellator. At least they'll start putting on London cards like they did previously. Like, I don't... When was the last time the UFC did a show in London? Well, to be fair, because of COVID, um, it's not a consideration right now. Hence the reason why mm. they got the whole Fire Island thing. Plus, with Bellator, their sort of bubble, their hub, it looks as though it's going to be Milan stroke Paris. Again, I'm going to touch on that later. But, you know, for me, it's just the whole respect thing. You know, I think he's earned his respect. He's earned his stripes. And it's clear that the UFC don't really see eye to eye with him in terms of where they are on the page. Okay, if you were the UFC, what would you do with Leon right now, per se? Um, I would make the Wonder Boy fight. I would, I would, I would have that as a fait accompli. What else is out there for him? It's, it's an honest question. I'm asking that to you because I'm struggling to see what else he can do between now and the end of the year. It's an honest question. Go on. I'm listening. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I would force him to fight Wonder Boy, and if he doesn't want to fight Wonder Boy, I'd say, all right, fine, fight Neil Magny. That would be the, my second choice. But other than that, I don't know who he can fight, honestly, because Jorge's not trying to fight him. Um, Colby's going to sit back and wait for his shot at the title. Burns and Usman are set to fight, so he doesn't have that many options. And the options that he does have, he's not taking. I understand him not wanting to fight Hamzat. Like, why would I fight an unranked guy? Like, I was joking around about him fighting him and demolishing him, him calling out people, because then they're going to discredit him. If he beats Hamzat, he's like, oh, Hamzat was unproven. He didn't deserve to be in there with him. But if Hamzat beats him, it's like, Leon was always a motherfucking bum. He doesn't... So he has, like, he has nothing to gain from that. I understand that. But he needs to... He needs to fight somebody. He can't refuse fights. 100%. You know, we both have things which we've brought to the table, which we have um, just like two poker players um, peeking up from beneath our fingers. So I think the floor is yours, my man. Kairos, what you bring to the table this week? Listen, this is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I say, good. I hope it does. I hope you're upset right now, wherever you're listening to this, because it has to be said. I'm going to talk about the John Jones and Israel Adesanya beef. Now, I don't care who you're a fan of. Me, personally, I like both of the guys. I like people talking shit. I just think sometimes it's corny and people are just going to cheer for whoever they like, prefer preferably, even though the person might be in the wrong or the right. But I'm wanna, I want to talk to you guys about the origin of this. I've been watching John Jones. He was probably one of the first fighters I started watching in MMA. Well, as far as the UFC is concerned, rather. I was watching the WEC before, but... One commonality that I keep seeing with John Jones is whenever another person of color is trying to take his spotlight and contend for it, he's not having that shit ever. He gets <laughs> he is appalled that another black man is trying to take the limelight from his precious white people. It's like that's <laughs> Yes, it's super envious. I don't get it. Like the only other person I can think of who wasn't black who he had this much disdain for was Chael Sonnen. And rightfully mm. so, because Chael was getting at him. He was getting under his skin. John wouldn't even look at him in the lead up to the fight. <laughs> but I just like one thing that people refute not refuse. One thing that people just haven't put together is 
John is one of those black people who have grown up in the suburbs. The fact that he's introduced in MMA is proven to that. The fact that he was a roommate with Colby Covington, that's the type of crowd mm. that John was around when growing okay. up. And those typically those black people are the token black guy around their social circles. So whenever another black person enters a social circle that may or may not be the same as them, oftentimes those people feel threatened because it's like, well, I was the lightning rod for attention, but now someone's trying to take it from me. This is what I worked hard for. How dare? That's exactly the vibe that I'm getting from this whole beef. And Israel Hassan is sitting there like, good. I'm trying to take everything you work for, motherfucker. Like, that's how I, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm out of my mind, but that's just what I see when I look at this beef. And it's sad. (laughs) Kairos, I love you like a brother from another mother, but, you are out of your mind. You are tapped, my youth, as they say over here. Tapped. Come oh on, bro. Are you seriously suggesting that this is a popularity contest because he's trying to curry favor and trying to obtain shine from another brother because he doesn't want the white people around him to get... <laughs> yes. I can't even complete this sentence. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, God. Oh, my days. Sorry, I got to compose myself. My head is hurting. My head is actually throbbing. Kairos, how is it that I'm paired with you this week? This is going <laughs> to be know delicious. Why. This is a conversation <laughs> we got to have. Look at Rashad Evans. Oh, Rashad God, Evans was a champion. He was the top dog in the gym at Jackson Wink. And as soon as he got hurt, what did John do? He didn't treat him like a teammate or a brother. Like he said, he was like, oh, that's my mentor. That's my brother. I'll never take what he has. The second Rashad was out, he's like, I'm fighting for the title. He took the title immediately. He's like, I'm the man now. It's my time to sign. It was never about brother for john it's always been about him being number one always y'all can't tell me i'm wrong about this shit that man's a menace wow so he's going for negro number one status i just can't i I can't i can't how about let me push it this way how's about that having met john okay let me put it to you like this Mm -hmm. he's very very alpha his handshake is alpha he let me know who was dominant i mean my guy started punching me up (laughs) although it's playfully punching me up to let me know look this is an alpha situation here you're not even beta don't even try it (laughs) the whole vibe i got from him was dominance whether it comes to the conversation whether it comes to who we were around John, I have to say, lovely guy, but he reeks of dominance. He reeks of alpha. So imagine now you have another alpha because you have to say on appearance, Izzy is that alpha male. This is what is actually at play here. You have two alpha males who want to have the last laugh, who have to have the last word. And Izzy has time. So he has time to poke the bear. But so is John. (laughs) John is waiting for basically that call to heavyweight so you've got two brothers who have time on their hand two alpha brothers who have time on their hands and this is what's playing out here two alpha brothers basically going at each other how about that i mean yes but that doesn't necessarily (laughs) negate my point though that could be (laughs) reality but john could still be a a self-hating brother but one thing I will try and peel back on also is mm-hmm. I will give John credit. 
He is trying to bring attention to his career even further and bring leg more legitimacy because his career is already legitimate. I don't care what anybody says. He's not a cheater. They proved that he's not a cheater and his resume is the toughest in UFC history. Anyone who says John Jones is not the greatest fighter of all time in terms of who he beat, how he beat them, and when they beat them, kid themselves. Yeah. But <laughs> what people i think he's trying to pave the way for a fight that's gonna make him retire i feel like this is the i feel like he's trying to chess his way into a fight with Israel Adesanya, a fight that'll do major numbers both the mm. superstars exciting mm -hmm. and it'll do wonders for his resume that's already great now how does john get that fight antagonize Israel Adesanya because john jones and Israel Adesanya are the two smartest fighters in ufc history inside and outside of the case i stand by that and i will stand by that and defend that point to the death of me. John knows if he fights. Yes, John knows if he fights Israel Adesanya today, he will beat him. If if John was to schedule to fight Israel anytime in 2020, he would beat him. Israel knows that if he fights John in any time 2022 or later, he has a better chance of beating John because John's mm -hmm. gonna be out of his prime or towards the end of his prime, and Israel ha will have improved as well during that time. Both these guys okay. understand their skill sets right now. So John's like, "Nah, fight me right now because I know I can beat you." And Israel's like, "Nah, I'm not gonna fight you right now because I know you can beat me, but I'm gonna fight you when I can beat you." And John's like, "Nah, you're a pussy for that." And Israel's like, "Nah, you're a pussy." For that. So that's they're at a stalemate because they both understand the game that's being played here. I see, yeah. I'm hip to it, and I, that's why I respect John because John knows I'm gonna get you when you can't win. That's why I love these guys so much. But I'm telling you, bro. John might not be a self-hating guy, but he understands he has to beat Israel sooner rather than later. Mm, mm. And I mean, you know, I, I might be taking your uh, your your point off to a tangent. Who do you think is actually winning the on online war? I have to say, <laughs> for me, from where I'm sat, it looks as though if this were school, um, Izzy would be like, two grades below because he really does go for that base debauchery humor, which I love, which I, I absolutely am hip to. But, you know, it does look as though even though he's jabbing back, Jones is actually going the higher brow type of humor, like posting things like, well, uh, you never seen me uh, looking up at, uh, the, at the lights and this looks like you. Oh, this is you. That type of humor. It's <laughs> Don't get me wrong. They're both great but I'm leaning towards Izzy's base humor. I do love that. But who, who do you think's taking it? I will say, as of right now, John has been teeing up on Izzy. Like, when the beef first started, Izzy was grilling him with the cocaine memes and the ashy Larry stuff. I was like, okay, that's yeah. funny. That's hilarious. But this time went on. I feel like Israel started to run out of ideas. And John was just waiting. He was like, yeah, you're weak now. Now I got you. <laughs> but I will say, though, the, peop the people who keep spamming the Israel Adesanya knockout picture... First of all, <laughs> y'all know who he lost to? <laughs> As How if he's not what was that? That was like almost 10 years ago. Yeah. So y'all are focused on an event that happened 10 years ago to one of the greatest <laughs> kickboxers ever mm. to a guy who has almost 100 kickboxing fights. If John had 100 kickboxing fights, I'm sure he would probably get knocked out at least once if we're just being yeah. realistic. But go yeah. off. I, I'm not going to defend him. For, it, it's a funny picture. I just feel like we got to clear the air because a lot of people are just posting that and don't even understand the context. Oh, 100%. But it looks bad, though. It looks yeah, it bad to have somebody who is shooting from the hip and shooting quite loudly. And then when you actually turn it around, you haven't got anything remotely that looks even, like, similar to John Jones on the canvas looking up. Because that, as they say in UK parlance, is a par. Yeah. <laughs> Explain that. What is a par? I don't, I don't catch that reference. Basically... You've been dissed. You've been rubbed out. 
That okay. is, it, you can't come back from that. That, that is a par. <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not surviving beyond this. It's a par. I'm like, gonna start taking that. If, if I, if I, if I go to the shops, and um, um, we are both standing at the checkout, and there is a last um, packet of Frutella. I'm before you, <laughs> but then you reach your hand round and you snatch that from the counter. You pard me. That is a par. There's no coming back for me unless I want to. I want to take it up to a next level and war. What am I gonna do? I've been parred. That's funny. Okay, it's the highest <laughs> level funny. of disrespect. It's a par. I'm gonna tell that to one of my UK friends and see if he can catch the reference. Oh, he's gonna be so surprised. <laughs> Probably about ten years old that reference, but never mind. <laughs> Hopefully he gets it. I'm gonna use it though. I'm gonna use and abuse it. But you're right though. He is sunning him right now, and I love it. I, people don't understand. When, when Israel hump costs the people are like, oh, it's not good for the sport. Me, I was like, good. Fuck that motherfucker. I love shit talking. I love people like putting it out there. Because it's entertaining to me. That's where I come from. I thrive in see, that. I love seeing it. See, hold on. When you say sunning, that sounds like parring. Because when I, when I think of the word sun, that's like the ultimate disrespect. Someone has sunned you. Break it down. Have I got this wrong? No, you're right. That's exactly, that's the exact reference. That's why I wanted to use that word. That's our quintessential ah. to sunning. More so, um, yeah, I, I'd say it's the exact same thing. It's you sunned him. You treated him like you was your boy, whether he was your redheaded <laughs> stepchild or whether he's just someone who you could easily dominate. But yeah, mm. okay, we're, we're doing a we're doing a foreign exchange today. It's uh, <laughs> shots fired, and next up we have the word jizzle. Jizzle. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Seems like something you do to food. I don't know. You have to jizzle the stuff. I don't know. Jizzle. Jizzle my nizzle. Nope. Uh, I well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, I, I might have I might have mispronounced that, but when you guys say shizzle, that's what I was grasping for. What does that mean? Shizzle. I'm gonna be for real. Shizzle. I don't know what the fuck that means. I haven't so understood. Sneak Dog says it a lot for shizzle my nizzle. I'm not a crip from the West Coast. I don't, know, I don't know that fucking lingo. I think it sounds good on a beat. I think it sounds good on a track. I'm not going to seem like, oh, yes, the city of origin is Compton. And in that environment. No, I don't know that shit. It just sounds good to me. <laughs> Sorry to tell dead. you. I'm dead. I'm trying to Google it right now to find out, but <laughs> use as a wow. euphemism for shit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there you <we> go. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Mystery solved. <laughs> Thank you, Google. Oh, man. Well, if you've done your uh, topic to death, unless there were any other um, aspects of it you wanted to play out, I I've got um, one which I'm bringing to the table this week, and it's Bellator. Bellator full stop. <clears throat> there are several facets to what I'm bringing to the table. First up... Bellator this week announced that they will be broadcasting live from the BBC's iPlayer. I will stop there. Full stop. Exclamation mark. This is the big deal. I'll tell you why. For the longest while, for years, the BBC have parred us when it comes to mixed martial arts. They have sunned us when it comes to anything remotely looking like two dudes in a cage. Now, 2020 has dealt us some shit, but it also 
has dealt us some diamonds. This is record-breaking in terms of accomplishment. This is monumental. This is a shot in the arm for the sport. I'll tell you why. It basically creeps us towards the mainstream. Now, from our point of view, why it's such a big deal is because the iPlayer is a major platform over here in the UK. We're talking millions of people who rinse through that, not just live events, but on the replay. So imagine what traction that Bellator will be gaining. Imagine what brand identity will be actually cross-fertilised. But more importantly, the bragging rights. For a long while, promotions in the UK have been trying to get the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail was terrestrial TV. Channel 5 plays host to a live event this Saturday. You know what that is? It's Bellator Part 2. Basically, they're splitting the card into two. Up until 10pm UK time, starting at 4.30, everything that Bellator will be putting on live on Saturday will be broadcast on the iPlayer. From 10pm, it will then switch over to Channel 5, which will be broadcasting, I think, to the main event and the co-main event. This is monumental. Two broadcasters working hand in glove. Two broadcasters who aren't your cable, who aren't your subscription TV. We're talking premium, top-of-the-shelf terrestrial broadcasters. Now, from your point of view, I'm intrigued. What does this mean to you, if anything? <laughs> I just hear you foaming at the mouth right now. The decadence, the intelligence. Oh, my gosh, this is next. I'm just, I'm just hearing you. I'm just trying to hold it. I'm like, you're very excited about this. Um... I'm going to be real with you. I won't. I probably won't be watching on the replay. I'll be watching it live. So as far as like mm-hmm. streaming it through the app is concerned, it, I wouldn't say it necessarily like applies to me per se. But No, it doesn't. Um, the way that you're speaking of it, it sounds like this is going to bring an entire new uh, demographic to their organization. That's good. We, we You're just talking about how great Bellator is and how great it would be for certain fighters to go and commute between Bellator. And I feel like this is the next step to making it more enticing. This is probably their... I feel like in chess, when someone like checks you, this is their answer to being checked with um, Michael Channel leaving to go to the UFC. This is like, OK, great. Just because we lost the major star doesn't mean that we're going to stop doing moves that accommodate our current stars, rather. So I think that this is a very good thing that they're doing. I'm familiar with BBC just because I'm a MCOM major or whatever. So I understand different like broadcasting networks. And so as far as it's concerned, I understand the magnitude of the BBC. But yeah. Um, I don't I don't necessarily know if like other people who are in our sport who pay attention to mixed martial arts understand like the gravity of that. But I will say this, though. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's well, pretty. Imp- that's. Well, I say that. But coupled with that, remember, from your point of view, you've got CBS Sports hosting this. Now, is that a big deal? Because I see the letters C, B and S. And I think gravitas, I think magnitude, I think a massive accomplishment because isn't uh, CBS Sport like one of your major broadcasters over there? Yes, CBS is one of, I'd say they're top three. So we have obviously ESPN, we have CBS, and then I'd say the other, well, ABC was a little bit, was for a little bit of time, but it's kind of like rolled away from that. But yes, CBS is definitely top three. So that's mag, that's like a big deal as well. You see, 
<clears throat> I said that there were certain facets to me bringing Bellator to the table um, this week. Now, I'm not sure if you saw, but Bellator in recent weeks announced a slew of um, fighters who they'd actually been signing. In recent weeks, they'd inked uh, multiple LFA champions, such as Jaleel Willis and Justin Gonzalez, multiple CC or CFFC champions in Sean Teed and Justin Scoggins, and UFC veterans. We're talking about somebody who'd come off two wins, Brett Johns yep. and Jeremy Kennedy and Rustam Kabalov and Bobby Volker. Now, it strikes me that either they are building up a war chest because they are looking to take over Europe or they are going full guns blazing assault on any free talent that the UFC cannot connect with, cannot re-sign and basically are enticing them with violent money. And what do you I make of that's that? The, that's the fucking move, though. That's the fucking, like... I, um, one thing that this reminds me of is our previous election when it was um, Hillary Clinton and it was, why am I forgetting our current president's name? Oh my God, <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> That's kind of disrespectful. That's all you need to know, okay? About where Fuck I stand with guy. that. <laughs> Fuck him. But one of the reasons why a lot of people think that Donald Trump won the election was one, they were protesting the previous administration, yes. But Donald Trump was able to go to the places that Hillary Clinton wasn't willing to go to. She, Mm. Um, John, Donald Trump was going to like Hellbunk, Nebraska, talking to the farmers and the incorporations there and going to Spoken, Washington and going to like places that the Democratic Convention didn't think were necessarily needed or valued as much as they should have been, which is why a lot of these states that were close and turn states were to go red or blue either year went red mm. that year because they were like, okay. you didn't you didn't acknowledge us. So we are going elsewhere. And I feel like that's exactly what Bellator is doing right now. Sorry for like the politics, but I feel like that's the perfect example of what's happening right now. And what, the conversation that we had, what was it, three weeks ago, we were like, the Bellator is going to start taking some leaps to close the gap between the UFC and possibly even take them over. It's going to take mm. moves like this for that to happen. And they're doing those moves. So who's to say that I was right in that and you were wrong? I'm starting to lean a little bit more towards you. Like Bellator could become a serious competitor in the next five to ten years, especially if they keep snapping up these people. You see, I told you there were three parts to my question. And we obviously have been po podcasting together too long because that was my closing argument. That The fact is that they've now acquired Usman Namagamadov, who you know is the what you see he's the cousin of UC lightweight champion to be the mega made of now that strikes me as the power move yep. of all power moves he could have gone to the UFC I mean look he's 11 and 0 but the fact is it solidifies I feel my notion my assertion my feeling that Bellator is looking to steal a march on the UFC. And they are so well poised in which to do that. Everything they seem to be doing nowadays, whether it is, you know, going to France first, being the first promotion in Paris, this is groundbreaking, this is history, being the first promotion, <clears throat> excuse me, being the first mixed martial arts promotion on the BBC iPlayer, that is groundbreaking. Being the first promotion on terrestrial TV, Channel 5, that is groundbreaking. These are all live events, by the way. It just strikes me that everything that they are lining up, teeing up, actually getting their ducks in a row is for a takeover. Mark my words. And it's, it's very possible they can do this takeover, especially when we look at where the UFC is at right now. Mm. Every single few years, the UFC has to 
create their newest stars because they retire or they stop fighting or they take hiatus or they go off on injuries i remember that peel back when it was the era of kane velasquez ronda dominic cruz like that infamous picture of all those guys up on stage yeah there's only one yep. of them still there there's mm. only one guy who is still in a title picture who's well Aldo just fought too but he lost and got tko but my point still yeah. stands the ufc had to refresh this we're coming up on the refresh for the UFC's current era of stars. And if mm. Bellator is constantly grabbing these young prospects from the UFC talent pool who are going to be up in that position, because I really do believe Brett Johns and Brett Johns and Usman and Margaret Madoff were going to make waves in their divisions. I really do believe that they're taking the future. So yes. what's going to happen in the future, per se, especially if the especially if the UFC decides, all right, well, we're not going to continue to compensate our Thank current you. top fighters. Like, yes, they are going to start competing with them massively and you know I, I i can't remember which promoter but i saw it said recently that uh, they were the um the hub in europe and the ufc um or, or or for talent going to the ufc and bellator were the hub in america for talent going to the ufc no it looks as though this whole thing is about world domination because it looks as though mm -hmm. Bellator are cleaning up talent in Europe and they are poised to take over. I've often said that KSW were the leaders in Europe. Basically, nothing compares in terms of their brand value. Nothing compares in terms of their production values. You just can't get better than a um, KSW show. But now, like what I'm saying, it looks as though Bellator is trying to take that slot. And, you know, no more so than... Again, to segue into this weekend's card, Bellator Paris. I mean, just look at the. I'm not sure if you've got it in front of you, but the actual prelims themselves Dylan Logan versus William Gomez and uh, Jean Denoy versus Kieran Clark. Dominic Wooding, our old friend Dominic Wooding, versus Fabakari Diata. Now, that in itself is going to be explosive. It's going to be fireworks. It's going to be something which is you know, somewhat of a coming out party for Dominic Wooden because I see that being a fight of the night. But as well as that, you've got Terry Brazier. This is all on the prelims, yeah? Yes. So we move up the card now. Now, remember I said it was split, but this is still on the BBC broadcast, and this is on the BBC iPlayer. You've got Mads Burnell. Now, bearing in mind that Mads Burnell, the um, Cage, War uh, Cage Warriors uh, featherweight champ, um, or ex Cage Warriors favorite champ has now signed like for violent money um, to Bellator. He's now facing Darko Bonovic. Now that in itself is going to be fire. Ryan Scope is facing Alan Omer. Oliver Encamp faces Emmanuel Dawa. And at the top of the card, at the top of the iPlayer BBC iPlayer card, Michael Venom Page versus Ross Houston. Now I'm going to pause there because. I spoke to Michael Venom Page earlier on, and uh, here's what he had to say. Michael, um, in previous videos and interviews we've conducted with you, you've given us um, some highlights and, uh, well, viral moments, one of which you predicted very precisely how the cyborg fight would go down to a T. I mean, how does this fight actually go down to a T? Um, I'm going to be very honest. I haven't watched... Yeah. Ross Houston yet in terms of any of his fights. Uh, I will do in the, over the next couple of days. I'll have a little watch. Um, 
but I haven't watched him enough to kind of answer that question to the, in the way I want. But I'm, for now, I'm more focused on how good I'm feeling, how good I have been feeling in the gym. And some of the stuff that I've been pulling out in the gym is, is insane. So if, if I pull out even a, a 5% of that, it's going to be a rough night for, for Houston. So um, I'm just focusing on making sure I can deliver exactly that. There's a couple of special moves I would like to land. Here we go. Uh, he's a, quite a, a, a tight ship. He seems very composed. Um, but I, I, I tend to break that, break that down uh, quite well and, and bring that emotion on people. So um, I'm sure I'll do the same. Just a couple more from me. The, um, well, the prevalence of Black Lives Matter at the moment is obviously doing it a worldwide uh, trip. And I noticed that you were actually present at uh, at least one of the marches. You know, a, a lot of people are, I suppose, divided on Black Lives Matter now because of, well, I suppose the bad press that they're getting in terms of things which are slowly being uncovered. Where are you um, today as we stand on Black Lives Matter? Uh, I'm doing a lot of work um, with uh, the Taking the, Initiative, uh, Taking the Initiative party which is a party uh, full of different company owners uh, within the black community, within the Muslim community, um, getting together. So I'm doing a lot of work in the background um, just to try and help these things. So sometimes it can, it, you know, uh, when you're trying to push for something and yourself so, that you're so passionate about, it can come across uh, a, bit, a bit harsh or it can come across, you know, people can you know, receive it in the wrong way. Um, and I think that is what is happening in a lot of different ways. Um, it's hard when a lot of people are getting their information from just social media, um, and so it's, it's it's not really the full the full picture. So I like you know we're doing a lot of work with different prominent uh, figures in the black community to to try and rectify things while we've got everyone's attention at the moment. So uh, that's my stance on it for for now. But you you will slowly see more things with regards to what I've you know what I've been doing uh, come out slowly. Incredible. Final one for me. Our old friend Paul Daly was talking uh, recently uh, to me about um, seeing you in his future. I mean, you're talking quite a lot about, you know, getting back obviously into title contention, but is Paul Daly in your future or is that something which, you know, you've done, dusted and you won the fight fairly um, and you don't want to revisit? What's your take? Uh, no, he's a person. Uh, he's got a face that you always just want to punch. So uh, I'd definitely be happy to, to jump back in the cage with him. But it's, it, does, it seems that seems more it's more just the emotional side of me talking. I don't think it benefits me in any way um, doing it. Um, but maybe you know we can organize something and say if he says he's retiring, maybe we can organize something in the future, in the far future that you know we can uh, just line our own pockets and uh, just uh, do something, just me and him, and organize our own and organize our own event. Um, but yeah, for now it's not something that I. Care too much about. Like I said, the main person I'm, on, I'm focusing on is the Douglas Lima fight. Like I say, um, it's not run of the mill questions that you're getting from me. You probably heard there that I spoke to him about, well, he's a dab hand at prediction and uh, he likes to really call fights and <laughs> he's really good at calling his fights but it was kind of like um, interesting that he hadn't actually watched any tape on Ross Houston which you know is very interesting interesting technique interesting approach but I was more interested about what he said about Black Lives Matter now 
for me, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but from the off, Black Lives Matter for me, in my head, was always about a movement. It was about a movement, not an entity, but about a consciousness, a consciousness of we need to campaign for better human rights just to be able to live. That's what it meant to me. Now, there is obviously a movement as in an entity behind that. Black Lives Matter, I think that's limited, which I'm not sure if you've looked into, but they've got some interesting and I would say for for, for one of a better word, worrying aspects to their outlook and what they really want to see come to fruition. I don't know about you. I don't know if you agree with me, but one of the key things um, which struck me was defunding the police. I do feel we do need law enforcement. So totally defunding the police. Well, I'm not sure if this is the same or resonates with you from a US perspective, but certainly from a UK perspective is not the move. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the police's number one fan, but I really do feel law enforcement, proper law enforcement, where you have rights for everyone, not just for the few, is the way to go. And um, subjecting young black males to unnecessary stop and, and searches, uh, smacks of racism and endemic and systemic racism, which needs to be wiped out, eradicated like cancer. Now, the point I'm getting to is that's the point which I raised with Michael Vernon Page, as you just heard. And um, it was interesting that he said, you know, there are different perspectives on this and you can't really believe all that you read online and see um, on the Internet. But this is basically a, a mantra from Black Lives Matter. I just wondered what your perspective was on Black Lives Matter, the organisation. Forget about the, the the movement and forget about the, the consciousness because I'm sure we're agreed here. I can say that without fear or favour. I know this for a fact just based on what you said. But about the actual organisation, what's your feeling? Personally, I think there's a lot of misinformation going around about the movement or the whatever mm. we want to call it. And I'm glad that you brought up the part about defunding the police because I there's always a lot of people who always contact me. Typically, it's white people. Unfortunately, not a lot of black people ever want to ask me about this, which is kind of weird to me that black people don't want to talk about this. But OK, I'll go with that. There's a lot of people who hear defund the police and it sounds very ugly and it sounds very harsh. It sounds like we're forcing these people out of the police department and they're not going to have their jobs and like we're firing people. and There's going to be lawlessness in the land. Mm. And, and that's not necessarily what it is or what it's about. It's more so of we understand that the problem is from how we train the police and how they deviate funds. So what we are going to do is take down the current law abiding body in our cities, in our states or wherever provinces we live in and reestablish it with a new one that's taught and trained ah. correctly so that they aren't wasteful of the funds, so that they aren't using excessive force. So they, mm. Because one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that policing is a brotherhood. You might come in there with integrity and beliefs and understanding that people are human beings and you care for them, but they're going to put you with someone who might not believe that sort of thing. And in the police department, you aren't rewarded for doing the right thing. You are mm. rewarded and not ostracized by playing ball with the people who you are next to. They are your brothers. If your brother is extorting people on the street for money and taking yeah. their property using civil forfeiture and laws that cops actually can do, mm. and you snitch on him, they're going to throw you into a police department where you're getting paid half the amount in the middle of nowhere and we will never hear from you again. Or you're probably going to be without a job. That's best case scenario is you're going to be without a job or you're in the middle of nowhere. Ah. But I'm going to tell you straight up, mm. it's not all It's not all like when people hear defund the police, they've got the wrong idea. And there's 
hundreds of different options for us to go by to helping our police problem and our police states. And that's just one of them. Another one is civilian-led policing. And people hear that and they don't understand what that truly means. They think, oh, so it's just people in neighborhoods solving crimes? <laughs> no, no, it's not. That's not what it is. You have a, a group or a committee of civilians who preside over the police. So whenever the police does a report or whenever the police makes an arrest or whatever, the police does anything with the public, yeah. they, their actions have to be answered to the community that they are responding to. So you can see what the issue is with police when they hear that. They're like, wait, so my actually have to be accounted for? My actions have to be accountable? I, I'm sorry, I can't speak right now. I actually have to be accountable for my mm. actions to the people who I bring them upon? Yes, you do. And that's another issue too. Like people will hear certain things and they're triggered by it because they don't understand the meaning. So they assume yeah. the worst. You're, you're absolutely right. And it's funny how you just described that scenario about being accountable because that's exactly, it seems like we're on the same page in terms of what that means and what I want to happen. Because that's effectively what I was saying about, you know, the institutional racism that exists in the um, UK police force, which they have time and time again have said, does not exist well that is a shit starting point you know that there is a problem deep down you know there's a problem but you're not going to do anything about it so being accountable does actually equate to being um, part of the action as opposed to being part of the inertia brilliant love it yeah one thing that a lot of people just refuse to acknowledge is the three i don't know about where you are but in america i look at a lot of studies in regards to crime the three biggest causes for crime in america is lead content in the water poverty and the police a lot of people don't understand when i say the police the police hold on hold on hold on, hold on. You, you you lost me at lead content in the water break that down brother oh crap i'm gonna have to get spiritual there. okay <laughs> there are certain com i'm not gonna sit here and fabricate something i'm just gonna say there are certain communities mm. in the united states of america where water is allowed to be released to the public with higher traces of lead in it than other than other communities. I'm not going to sit Mich here. Is Michigan one of those my aunt was telling me about? She's, I think she's based in Lansing. Um, There are certain cities in Michigan that that's the problem. Now, she's probably thinking about the Flint water crisis, which is a different scenario, but ah. it's still the same result, though. Lead was in the water and people died, and the people who were supposed to be held responsible haven't had to pay a penny for it. They haven't right. done any. They were not held accountable whatsoever. But I'm just in reality, though, all over the United States, they allow lead to flow through low income and minority communities. And that's mm. also a leading um, statistic to crime. And also when the police come into your community, a lot of these low income impoverished co um, communities have policing in there that's over policing the area. So they're looking for people to arrest. And when you arrest someone, that attributes to the crime statistic, not necessarily the conviction. And if you don't have money to fight off a bogus arrest, then you're going to get convicted. So you see the snowball effect of this in your community. Yeah, that's what's so happening that's over here. Yeah, so that's exactly why when people are like, oh, well, that's why they need the police in those communities. No, that's why mm. the police need to lessen their presence in their communities. I guarantee you, if you go into a gated community and you have the police doing the exact same tactics that they did to those minorities and low-income people, there would be yeah. massive blowback because those rich people aren't playing those fucking games. They will call their <laughs> uncle, who's the head of the department. You'll, you'll fucking have your head spinning before you can even make it back to the office. Mm. People don't understand that, but they just sit here and say, oh, well, these black people, these animals, these monkeys are out here breaking laws and uh, and uh, going against law and order. It's like, motherfucker, you don't even know what you're talking about. If you actually just wow. research for 10 minutes, you'd realize that your whole world is a lie. Incredible. 
you're right, though. It goes back to what we were talking about just a while ago about knee-jerk reactions and when people hear certain things, they are triggered. Because I have to say, when I started to read, I mean, going back to the whole Black Lives Matter um, organisation, when I started to read um, more into it, it, it did sound quite alarming. But as I say, for me, it's always been the notion rather than the organisation. Yes. I completely agree. But I, one thing that I really hope changes, though, I feel like it was when you said it was, what was the word that you used? Was it a, for, for, was it awareness, awakening? Well, it was a specific word that you used to categorize what the movement really was. And it was like, I'll just say awareness for the sake of it. I think it was awareness. We'll just say awareness. I feel like that's the type of mentality that people need to go about it for. It's not Mm. about black people taking back everything white people have ever done to us. We're taking your homes. It's just, how about you treat us like a fucking human being and not shoot us for having a fucking Wii remote in our house? Like, people really would sit back. I look back in history and I, I remember back when Brown versus the Board of Education, where they started to have black people integrating into schools because separate but equal was not really the case there were people who would oppose that to say oh that's not true the school organizations are equal but yet they wouldn't send their kids to those schools it's exactly the scenario with this it's like you are treated like a human being by the police just comply let me give you three scenarios there's a man who's (laughs) a teacher for autistic children the police were called because of course a black man's teaching autistic child looks very sketchy right Mm -hmm. anyway so the police come out at gunpoint at the man and tell him Please put your hands up. What does the teacher do? Get on his back, puts his hands up in the air and tells the autistic kid, please, John, please get on your back. Blah, 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 blah. Don't, um, don't resist. Don't do anything. The child is white. What do the police do? Point their guns at the teacher who's on his back with his hands up. Shoot him while he's on the ground, complying and then cuff him. Yes. And the officers who did it, they received, what was it? Um, a fine. And then they got probation. They shot an unarmed person who was complying on camera. Like, what? You, he literally did what you told him to do and you still shot him. But yet people will defend it because they don't understand or they don't see you as a human being. Treat us like people. We're not asking for your house. We're not asking for 40 acres and a mule. We're not asking mm-hmm. to have what you took from our ancestors. We're just asking you to not kill us. That would be a good starting point, yeah. Yeah, like, come on. Man. But just to top off where I started, and that was Bellator Paris on Channel 5, there are two fights which will be completing the whole card, and that's Saul Rogers versus RB Mahabidos and Czech Congo versus Tim Johnson. But you know what we haven't covered? You know, I thought that this was going to be a very, very quick canter through your thoughts (laughs) and my thoughts. We are rolling up close to an hour now, and you and I haven't even finished yet. Because we haven't talked about what's coming up next on the UFC roster, and that's Marias versus Sandhagen. Now, you know what? This will be a, a very quick canter through this card. I mean, just from the prelim point of view, were there any runners or riders that kind of like struck you as a noteworthy? Because for me, it's all about Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze, as you probably would have gathered um, in previous fights, uh, first of all, didn't show up for his last fight. I'm talking like mentally show up. It didn't look as though he was there. It looked as though he was phoning that performance in and he suffered a loss. But before then, he literally, um, this is what I've heard for people who are actually close to Tom Brees. I obviously haven't got this um, on any authority apart from hearsay, but he does struggle with anxiety because 
it's crippling to an extent where it actually stopped him from competing, not last fight, but the fight before. So I'm really hoping that he makes the walk because he will clash KB Buller, who is unbeaten and uh, he's making his UFC debut. Hmm. You I got didn't know that about him. Who, what's that? I didn't know that about Tom Brees. I didn't know he was struggling with depression or anything like that. That's a pretty uh, interesting story. Yeah, the anxiety, as I say, is is quite crippling. But just sticking with the the, the prelims, um, like I say, I, I I that's the one that like struck me. But just sticking with the prelims. I mean, are there any that strike you or any that you you know about? Any hidden gems? Are you going to wow us like G does? Because G is the, the prelim mistress. Yes, she, she loves the prelim. I'll be like mastermind. <laughs> She's a master. I, shout out to you, G. We miss you. Anyway, um, two. Sanger. We miss yeah. oh. Sanger as well. <laughs> I'm sorry, my man. You know I love you. I saw the thing about your dad that you posted. Your dad's an inspiration. Anyway, love His you too. Dad is a legend. You know what? It's it's Black History Month, but this guy, he's an uncovered gem. He is a, a surgeon of such high regard. And, you know, week in, week out, we, we speak and we get on here and we talk about all topics. Never has Chisanga brought up his dad, his legendary dad. And I think his dad needs to be exalted to, like, godlike status. You saw the video with him um, doing life-saving surgery. Yes. Now, he's a living legend and it's Black History Month, so we need to acknowledge some living legends. And it's definitely time we acknowledge Chisanga's dad. I agree. You know, you know, this is the one time we'll agree. Just this once. Just <laughs> yeah, any other day we ain't agreeing. Only yeah. right now. But yeah, on the prelims, I got two fights for you. Jigga Chikaze okay. versus Omar Marias. Because I love G. If he actually shows up to fight, Jigga, mm. I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm, I'm pronouncing like Jay-Z. Jigga, hopefully you show up. But he can fight. He can fight his ass off when he actually makes it to the octagon. And the mm. other one, I'm really curious to see how Joaquin Buckley versus Empire uh, Kasanaye turns up because i really had high hopes for buckley when he fought um our man i can't i can't remember his name right now he got knocked out though but he's an impressive guy so i'm really hoping he can get back on it those are my two though. i think those two are potential fight of the nights hold, hold on a minute it's my memory failing me but didn't joaquin buckley fight recently we're talking like really recently yes he fought oh uh, it was kevin holland that's who we fought kevin holland right okay and it was okay. competitive it was competitive until kevin dropped him twice but he, he can fight his ass joaquin can fight his ass off mm-hmm well, um, looking at the main card, um, I've got to say, hold on a minute, one, two, three, four, five, Tom Aspinall versus Alan Bordeaux. I'm looking forward to Tom Aspinall obviously being a Brit. He's a Brit on the card. But Tom Aspinall, he moves like a middleweight, but has the punching power and ferocity of a heavyweight. I mean, I think that there are going to be some big and some 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 major moves for Tom if he does actually come through this because he seems to be just laying waste to anybody he's put in front of him. And Alan Bordeaux, I don't think uh I don't think this is coming out in the first round. You think so? I think I, I remember watching I him fighting think so. I think Jake Collier, I think it was, and he he threw like ten punches, didn't miss a single punch and like TKO'd him in the first round. So yeah. I, I'm familiar with Tom a little bit. I don't I'm not an expert in him. I've seen him fight one time. But I, I think he's gonna yeah, I think it's gonna be first round. <laughs> Any more on the main card you're looking forward to? Obviously, um, Marlon Moraes and Corey Sandhagen. But um, yeah. for me, it's Edson Barboza and Michael Americani. Now, I was replaying some of his highlights. And for me, that Terry Etim 
uh, knockout uh, is the stuff <laughs> of nightmares. I know it was years ago, but no word of a lie, I cried real tears seeing Terry get his light switched off like that. Absolutely ferocious, absolutely frightening. And he's facing Macron Americani. Damn. I'm just saying he might kill him. He might. I keep people. I keep seeing people doubt Edson. I'm like, bro, y'all are really going to act like Edson isn't undefeated right now at Featherweight. He did not lose his previous side, but whatever. I don't think Makwan has the wrestling or the no. forward pressure to shut down no. Edson. You have to have one of those two things. I don't think Makwan has it. Sure, he's got his little dar. Sure, he's got some submissions. But is it going to get there to where you can mm. use those? No. Hell no. And as, <laughs> and as far as the other fight that I like to watch on it, um, what is it? Is it Yusuf Zalal? I don't know who he's facing, but I like Yusuf Zalal. I don't know if it's going to be an exciting fight, though. I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, Yusuf fight of the Zalal night. is clashing Leah, or Ilya, sorry, uh, Tapuri. Yeah, I don't know who that is, but I just know Same. Yusuf Zalal. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> Put it this way, Tapuri is 8-0. That O might have to go. It, it, yeah, it probably is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so who have you got between Marlon Marais and Corey Sanhagen? That's a tough one. I think Marlon's biggest issue is he puts way too much on the front end and then he can't coast yep. for the rest of the fight. So mm. I think if Corey can skate past the first like two rounds, two and a half rounds, I think he can win. But if he can't survive, Marlon's going to finish him, I think. So if I had to put put money on it, I'm going Marlon. Because Marlon really does put paws on people and hurt people. And he finds a way to finish. He finds a way. I'm going Marlon. 100% behind you there. And boom! We have quickly cantered through shots fired. Two of us uh, just double-barreled shotgun this week. We haven't got the full pump action of the Fearless Four. They'll be back next week, though. But... Kairos, it has been a legendary show. I have loved this Shots Fired. Like I say, look, me and you, you know, we'll lower our voices as we're talking here, but me and you, you know what we need to do? We just need to get our own fucking podcast. It's just me and you, yeah? Me and you. All right, dynamic duo. Let's do this shit. That's right. I'll be Batman. You be Robin, yeah? I'll be Batman. You be Robin. No, 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 no. I'll be Batman. (laughs) You be fucking Robin. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, whatever, whatever. (laughs) Oh, boom. Well, like I said, we'll be back to full speed next week on the next Shots Fired. Until then, enjoy the fights this coming weekend and um, be safe out there. (laughs) (laughs) You think you're so slick, bro. You know something? (laughs) That that sounded like... um, Do you you used to watch uh, Hill Street Blues? Hill Street Blues is basically a cop show. Uh, I think it was uh, set in New York. Anyway, at the end of every briefing, at the end of every morning, uh, the captain would say, yeah, let's all be careful out there. And that's what I was really going for. But never mind. Anyway, you crushed my dreams. I'm out of here. Separate the weak from the oxa, fleet hard to creep them Brooklyn Street. It's on again, stop all that bickering beat.